Indiana basketball is moving up in bracketology uh, up to a seven seed pretty much across the board. We're going to take a look at some specifics when it comes to that. Uh, Indiana football gets some sorely needed good news after Monday as a pair of the top recruits in the program's history uh, are staying with Indiana. And then a conversation with Locked On Mizzou's John Miller about new transfer quarterback, potential starter, uh, Connor Bazelik. So all that in a packed episode today. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Wednesday, February 2nd. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for all things IU Athletics, uh, whether it's news, analysis, previews, recaps. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers part of your day and specifically your first listen every day. Just a reminder, we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where we've been premiering the episodes at 7 a.m., so that all you guys have a place to come hang out during your morning routines, uh, listen to the latest news about the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, I know Snowmageddon <laughs> this year is uh, probably either on the way or has already happened, depending on when you're listening to this. Hope everybody stayed safe. Uh, stay inside, listen to Locked on Hoosiers, watch Locked on Hoosiers. We'll keep you guys up to date. Today, as I mentioned, we're going to look at some bracketology uh, for both men's and women's basketball. Uh, then we'll take a look at the impact of both of the McCalla uh, kids, I guess, uh, uh, reaffirming their commitment to Indiana, whether it's as recruits or as players. And then uh, a conversation with John Miller of Locked On Mizzou earlier in the day uh, about Connor Bazelik, who potentially could be the starting quarterback for Indiana football this coming fall. So lots of cover today. Uh, before we do all that, as always, you can subscribe to Locked on Hoosiers wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcasts at. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe helps us out a ton. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Hoosiers or on Instagram at Locked on Hoosiers. Let's start by taking a look at some of the bracketology for men's basketball. Um, it's been something we've been keeping an eye on. At the time, it was more as like, are the Hoosiers a bubble team? How close to that bubble are they going to be? Uh, they were kind of balancing between an 8, 9, maybe 10 seed. And at that point, you're one of the last four in or the next four in or, or whatever. You're kind of in that bubble picture. All you, all the Hoosiers needed to do was beat Purdue, get a couple uh, wins over Penn State and Maryland, and they are firmly out of the bubble picture and moving up uh, pretty much across the board. They have moved up to a 7 seed, at least with most of the kind of reputable I should say, uh, bracketologies. Joe Lenardi obviously is the one that everybody turns to at ESPN. He has the Hoosiers up to a seven seed. He had them pretty consistently at an eight seed uh, for most of the past few weeks. The recent wins for the Hoosiers have them moving up. Seven seed uh, in the East bracket with, ugh, I don't even know if I could stomach the idea of this, Purdue being the one seed, uh, which would potentially, it would never happen. I pray to God it would never happen. Purdue versus IU for a spot in the Final Four. I would be physically ill. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't. I, I would have trouble even watching that game. Uh, but in this scenario, Purdue or excuse me, IU is the seven seed. Uh, they would play Murray State. 
the if they win, they would face the winner of Duke and Princeton. So be a couple of really fun matchups. Uh, we would potentially get to see Trace Jackson Davis versus one of the top prospects in college basketball. And that's how you kind of make a name for yourself. A lot of eyes are going to be tuning into the Duke game, into Paulo Banchero. Um, that would be how Trace Jackson Davis uh, kind of enters the, uh, I would say the national conversation. He's in the running for all these national player of the year awards, but it doesn't really feel like maybe I'm, I'm too in the woods. It doesn't really feel like he's a part of that national conversation as much. So that'd be a nice uh, coming out party of sorts for him. But uh, that's going to be a reoccurring trend is that the Hoosiers in this same little bracket, the same little area um, where the Hoosiers are right now, there isn't much variance, uh, which is a good thing because it means the Hoosiers are uh, squarely in the tournament. And um, that is a lot more, uh, a lot more fun, a lot more calming than wondering with each, each game, a win or a loss and how that affects them on the bubble. Uh, if you look at blogging the bracket, SB Nation's um, college basketball bracketology, Chris Dobertine, uh, his latest bracketology was on um, Tuesday afternoon, also has the Hoosiers as a seven seed and the exact same uh, Greenville with Duke. The opponents for both change. It would be Indiana versus Creighton, Duke versus UNC Wilmington. Obviously, the winners face one another, uh, but. Indiana facing Duke seems to be the common matchup for right now for whatever reason. I'm not smart enough to figure out all the bracketology stuff outside of the basics. So uh, that bracket would have Gonzaga as the one seed. I could stomach that a lot more than um, <laughs> than Purdue as the one seed. I would also have Marquette in that bracket. We could have the Tom Crean classic in that one. Inside the halls, Andy Bottoms who uh, has kind of routinely been one of the more accurate uh, bracketologists. So it's not even entirely favoritism when it comes to Indiana. Uh, but regardless, he has Indiana as a seven seed. Shockingly, you're never going to believe this, playing in Greenville uh, with Duke as the two seed. Again, the, the opponents change. It's uh, Duke meeting Longwood, Indiana meeting Oklahoma in the Kelvin Sampson Classic. Uh, that would be those teams with Baylor as the one seed. Um, again, Marquette would be there. North Carolina would be there, and it would be uh, pretty close. It would be an Elite Eight matchup, potentially, with uh, Duke and North Carolina. Also, more, more relevant to IU, IU-Kentucky would be an Elite Eight uh, matchup as well, I believe, um, So, or a matchup to get to the Elite Eight is what I mean by that. So we saw last time IU played Kentucky was in the tournament because they're cowards and won't schedule us in the regular season. And IU got the better of them. And anytime you can beat John Calipari, it is sweet, sweet. I would love to see Trace Jackson Davis uh, manhandle uh, everybody on Kentucky and get the Hoosiers to uh, any Elite Eight game. Again, that's so far down the road. But it's fun to just look at these, kind of get ideas of what it would be. Uh, the last one I wanted to look and laugh at, CBS Sports' Jerry Palm. He's a Purdue graduate. We mentioned him before. Just to get an idea when we say there's some favoritism involved in his rankings, uh, he was the last one to even put Indiana into the tournament when everybody else considered Indiana a tournament team. He has Indiana as a nine seed. Uh, they would face Miami. They'd still be in Greenville. Uh, face Miami. Uh, they would face Auburn as the one seed if they won. Uh, Purdue would be the two seed in that bracket. Um 
it's silly, but it's a, a common one people look at. Don't put any stock into that bracket, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, women's basketball also has their own bracketology. The women's team actually stayed at number six. The coaches poll came out on Tuesday morning. They stayed at number six despite their loss uh, because Michigan just jumped above them and Tennessee dropped below them. Uh, they each swapped two spots. Um, the women's coaches poll is just a very sensible poll. Uh, with the men's poll, if you lose, it's just kind of this reaction thing. You can't stay where you're at. You, you're not that good of a team anymore. The women's basketball poll, we saw earlier in the year, South Carolina lost as the number one ranked team and didn't drop from being number one ranked. They were clearly still the best team. One game doesn't really change all that much. And I appreciate how the women's basketball coaches who vote in this vote because uh, Indiana losing on the road to Michigan without their best player, uh, that shouldn't mean that they're no longer as good as they were. Uh, so the Hoosiers stay number six. When it comes to bracketology, they did drop down one line, though. They are a three seed now. Uh, that bracketology was updated uh, Tuesday morning as well by Charlie Cream uh, at ESPN. As I said, has the Hoosiers down to a three seed. They would still host as a three seed. Uh, in Bloomington, uh, Indiana would take on Columbia, would face the winner of North Carolina and Gonzaga. Uh, Arizona, as the two seed, would pre present a really, really interesting matchup and uh, a rematch of the Elite Eight game last year that I think all Hoosier fans would want to sign up for. But it would mean the Hoosiers in this scenario would be in the same bracket as the number one overall seed, South Carolina. And I am less confident about that one. But you never know until you play them. So uh, the women, though, are kind of right now. It's going to be interesting to see. If I had to guess, I think they're probably going to stay as a three seed, though they have shown enough signs without McKenzie Holmes that maybe they're able to uh, steady the ship. And uh, right now I think it's going to be Michigan or IU as the final two seed. Um, Michigan moved up to the two seed as Indiana moved down, um, and that was – the only movement kind of up and down in the two. So in the, Michigan took Indiana's two seed. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and who kind of takes that final two seed right now. There's a lot of uh, news going on with IU football right now. On Monday, it was positive news. And we're going to jump into what that news was uh, in one moment. It's the new year, though, guys. So that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting healthy, you have to try Built Bar. Built Bar is um, not like your parents' protein bars that are chalky, waxy, taste like chemical spills, hard to choke down. Uh, you want to eat healthy, but it, it really just gets boring. By week three, you're asking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bar is a chocolate covered in 100% real chocolate, but most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar that usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Uh, these are so much better for you. The best part is they taste exactly like a candy bar. Uh, my favorite thing about them is all the flavors they offer, whether it's coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. I got the limited time flavor at the time, blueberry muffin. Um, and they're always adding limited time flavors. So you guys need to head on over to built.com. Check out what they have available today. Uh, use promo code locked 15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com.
want to thank you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Make sure you guys are subscribed. We have a special guest for tomorrow's episode that I'll tell you about at the end of the show. Uh, but I'm really excited for that one. So on Monday, we uh, it was reported that Della McCullough, the running backs coach, associate head coach, was leaving the program um, to take the same position, at least as running back coach, for Notre Dame. That alone was a blow to the program that has had so much turnover this offseason. The ripple effect that was going to come with it is that most assumed he his three sons, two of which are, pro, or I should say prospects, one of them is a incoming freshman, one of them is a recruit, and one of them is on the team. Um, the assumption was that odds were high that they were going to be leaving. Individually, all three of them announced on Tuesday they were staying with the Hoosiers, and I cannot overstate how massive that is. Della McCullough, we mentioned, was a transfer from Miami. Um, he tweeted on Tuesday morning, all love for my dad. It's still hashtag LEO. He was the first to kind of commit. Uh, the biggest one probably was Deshaun McCullough, who um, simply tweeted a graphic um, at on Tuesday afternoon that just said, quote, I'm home. I can't overstate how big this is. Um, we talked about it on Monday. He is the top recruit all time. If you look at 247 sports rankings, uh, which I know they're rankings, anything could happen, uh, but he is the highest rated recruit the Hoosiers have ever landed. And uh, he's kind of expected to help fill in the hole that's left by Micah McFadden. So it was absolutely essential that the Hoosiers keep him. And they did. Um, and that alone was exciting. And then in the uh, evening, early evening, uh, the youngest son, I believe it's pronounced Day McCullough, uh, tweeted, family, regardless of where we are, proud of you and love you, tagged his dad. But the graphic is 100% locked in with him in a Hoosiers uh, jersey. So he's staying uh, in terms of keeping his commitment. Again, if you look at 247 Sports, He's the third highest recruit in the program's history, also a four-star recruit, a safety going to Bloomington South where his brother was last season as well. So absolutely enormous that the Hoosiers are able to hang on to them. Obviously with recruits, it feels like it could change from day to day. Uh, and with players, it, anybody can enter the transfer portal at any time. But the fact that all of them are committed uh, – simultaneously right now is a, is a great sign uh, for the Hoosier program. They needed some good news. They got some good news on Monday. It's rare when that happens. It seems like with Indiana football over the last, uh, well, since the season's ended really. Uh, so great news on that front. A couple former Hoosiers are making some waves a little bit leading up to the NFL draft uh, over the last couple days, over the weekend, uh, both Peyton Hendershot, obviously tight end, uh, arguably the best tight end in the program's history, and Ty Freifogel, former All-Big Ten wide receiver, had a really, really frustrating, uh, disappointing season last year as he kind of suffered maybe most with so much of the turmoil on the offensive side of the ball. Both those guys are invited to the draft combine, which is really, really big uh, for obvious reasons, gets you in front of more eyes, gets you in front of 
actual teams to interview. Uh, it's not often that Indiana football players get invited to this. To me, it would kind of solidify that I would think both these guys are more than likely going to be drafted. Um, obviously, nothing's guaranteed. A lot of people go to the combine that aren't drafted. But based on that, based on um, some of the videos we've seen of them participating in various kind of the, the all-star games, the showcases, again, just to get in front of more eyes, uh, it seems like these two are having really strong kind of post-IU careers right now. And uh, so big shout out to both of them. We'll certainly stay up to date uh, when they take part in the combine, when they get drafted, things of that nature. Now, uh, we have a conversation with Locked On Mizzou's John Miller that I mentioned. Uh, IU landed Connor Bazelik, seems like forever ago, in the transfer portal. There's a pretty decent chance he could be the starting quarterback. Quarterback position seems totally up in the air with the Hoosiers. Uh, he comes in, he's a former co-freshman of the year in the SEC, which is, I mean, it's the SEC, that's that's no small feat. Uh, and the quarterback position for the Hoosiers right now is a messy one. So uh, he comes in to an open race, and you would imagine if he's uh, transferred in and committed in, he feels he has a pretty strong uh, chance at winning the starting quarterback position. So uh, to get an idea of what to expect when it comes to Connor Basilek, we turn to somebody who watched him for the last two years in John Miller. We're going to throw to that conversation in just a moment. First, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple of weeks, Bet Online remains the best spot for all your favorite or all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football that betonline.net has. Uh, they have up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. Now, guys, let's throw it to this conversation. And we are now joined by Locked On Mizzou host John Miller. This was something we had... Uh, tried to schedule previously uh, a birthday, and then IU basketball being really, really good, uh, pushed this back a little bit, but excited now to get you on here. How you doing today, John? Well, I'm doing rather well. I've recovered from my birthday, and even <laughs> better, I've recovered from the Royal Rumble on, on Saturday in St. Louis and also a very depressing Chiefs game. So yeah, we're, <laughs> we're good to go now. It's Tuesday. Enough time has passed. A whirlwind of a weekend for you, I am <laughs> sure, then. Um, the... The reason we have you here, obviously, is that Hoosiers landed Connor Bazelik in the transfer portal. Uh, a little bit of a surprise uh, when it happened. Certainly not someone I think many IU fans had on their radar. Uh, but And I wanted to, to obviously bring you on to you watched him for the last few seasons. Nobody better to, to talk to about him. Before we kind of dive into anything deep uh, about him, just what's uh, what's just kind of the general scouting report on him? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there's sort of a tale of almost two seasons, maybe a couple different seasons for Connor Bazelak. And I, and I mean that literally and kind of figuratively. His previous season, the 2020 campaign, was quite a bit different from last year, especially in that in 2020, he really managed to avoid turnovers and sort of 
in a, in a very positive way. And then yet, and maybe if you get a more critical eye, you could say maybe he was a little bit too much of a game manager. And I think maybe in 2021, there was an attempt to find more of a balance there. And I, I don't know if he ever found it because definitely there were some more careless turnovers in 2021 than you would have expected after his first season, which was pretty darn encouraging for sure. I believe he was SEC offensive freshman of the year, at least co-offensive freshman of the year, something like that. But, you know, I would really encourage your listeners, Jacob, any Hoosier fans out there, if you want to get a feel of the best version of Connor Basilak, go back to Missouri's second ball game of last season against the Kentucky Wildcats because Missouri really struggled defensively early in the season. But in my opinion, Basilak played a, his best game of the season there, kept Missouri in that game, and really late in that ball game, I thought he got a pretty obvious injury that seemed to bother him the rest of the season. So to me, if you want to look at the upside of Connor, go back to that Kentucky game in week two. Yeah, as you mentioned, I, I know a lot of fans saw that that co-freshman of the year, which in the SEC I'm sure is no small feat. Um, you've mentioned some of the, the things he's – uh, he's good at obviously when looking at the pros with him I mean what are the big things that stick out to you over these two seasons well actually I think one of his biggest pros is that he seems to be a fairly unflappable kid at least emotionally now I did think again there was some sort of inexplicable interceptions that I thought he threw at, at different points of the season that were uncharacteristic and I really think that he was physically limited I mean Again, going back to that Kentucky game, while Basilak not a runner by any stretch of the imagination, he was at least able to buy time within the pocket and then getting outside of the pocket occasionally and really made some plays that helped keep Missouri in that ball game that ended up being a four-point loss. It, it really could have been a lot worse, honestly. But, you know, again... If he's, if he's healthy, if he's not just such a pocket statue, I, I think he's got a good chance to be a decent player because while he, he, there's this interesting thing, like he didn't throw a ton of touchdowns in 2020, so there was this idea that, oh, maybe he doesn't throw the deep ball all that well. I don't really see that being as much of an issue with Connor. If anything, I thought his, his short ball accuracy just on little swing passes in the backfield was strangely a little bit off, but again... I think you can make the argument that that comes back to that hamstring injury, whatever it was. So if he can be what he was in 2020, maybe Indiana got themselves a diamond in the rough here. You you touched on the two things that I was going to kind of specifically ask you about. The two areas that IU of the last couple of seasons have needed their quarterbacks to be good at is mobility and deep ball accuracy. I mean, you mentioned he's maybe not the most agile, but can extend a play and then um, when it comes to deep balls, it sounds like he's he's not awful, which is an improvement over what the Hoosiers have had. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has enough of an arm strength to get the ball out there. There's no, I mean, he can throw it 55 yards in the air. Like that's not that he doesn't have you know the crazy Brett Favre arm or anything like that. But he's got enough arm there for sure. It's just a matter of being willing to take those shots. And I think if again, if anything. 
Yeah, just accuracy. The Weirdly enough, the short accuracy, I think, was even a bigger problem this year for Bazelak than any type of, of deep ball stuff. And I'm going to be really curious to see what he does with the Hoosiers because even coming into 2020, I, I thought he showed enough at the end of the 2019 season before he actually tore his ACL in his one game of action against Arkansas, the, the season finale of that year. I thought he showed enough talent that I was really hoping he'd win the starting job. So again, it's a really a mixed bag with Basilak. It really is. When kind of looking at the negatives, uh, one of the things that I had written down, or the the only thing I guess I had written down on this, you, we've touched a little bit on, was decision making. There's been some some real head scratchers and turnovers were uh, a really big problem for the Hoosier offense uh, last season. Seems like one season it wasn't maybe as much of an issue as it was this more previous season. Yeah, I think that's fair because really, I believe, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, you'll forgive me. This is off the top of my head. I think in 2020, he only threw six interceptions the whole season, and yep. three of those, I believe, were in the season finale against Mississippi State where Missouri was really kind of ravaged by COVID opt-outs and just transfers and all kinds of things. I mean, they were they were literally playing guys from, from offense who are suddenly playing in the defensive backfield, just to, to give you an example. But then on the other hand, he only threw seven touchdowns as well. So that's where you start, where you get back to my point of, did he ever really find the balance between being a game manager and just and throwing a guy open? Because occasionally, especially, you know, in the Southeastern Conference or the Big Ten, everybody's got good players. So occasionally you're going to have to throw somebody open. And I think maybe that's something Basilak struggled with a bit. Because again, back to that seven touchdowns, I believe four of them were in one game against LSU. So again, most of his touchdowns, most of his interceptions actually ended up coming in one game. It's interesting because the Hoosiers have had kind of a, a game managing type of quarterback in Jack Tuttle that uh, he's battled injuries. So it'll be interesting to see um, how those two fare against one another. One of the the questions I think uh, a lot of people typically have when someone enters the transfer portal is just what kind of led to that decision. I know sometimes it's not always clear, but was there anything that, that led to him entering the transfer portal? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I just think it was a disappointing season for, for Connor and, and just the whole, the whole team. And I, I think eventually, I, I think a lot of members of the fan base definitely started to sour on Connor a little bit, at least during this season. I mean, at a certain point, I was just going, look, the guy doesn't look healthy to me. He just doesn't yeah. look how he should look. And when Missouri actually went to their backup in the in the Armed Forces Bowl, Brady Cook, I thought, number one, his legs really provided a spark for that offense that had been missing for for certainly since the Kentucky game in week two but and I think it really would have helped Tyler Beatty out too to just have that threat on the backside who ended up being one of the most productive running backs in the nation anyway but if you could have just had that boy who knows how good Beatty could have looked yeah and that it's a little bit of a of a familiar feel because the Hoosiers had multiple quarterbacks last season who never looked healthy so uh, we certainly have seen kind of firsthand the difference in just uh, how an injury can make. So that is all I had. I, I appreciate you coming on and, and finally uh, getting this scheduled and getting this set out because this was obviously a lot of information that we did not have on Connor. So uh, big thanks again for coming on today. 
Yeah, I appreciate it, Jacob. Yeah, once again, if you uh, Hoosier fans want to take a look for yourself and, and not take my word for it, uh, yeah, week two against Kentucky, I'm sure it's out there on YouTube or or wherever. Awesome. Thanks again, and uh, and have a good one. Thanks, Jacob. So thanks again to John for uh, joining us. Thanks again to you guys for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back with you tomorrow with a special guest, Dustin Deporiak from uh, the Bloomington Herald Times, also with the Indy Star, uh, covered IU basketball for a long, long time, covered all sorts of teams and whatnot. He's going to be joining us tomorrow to talk IU basketball, IU football, just kind of IU athletics. Super excited for that. Make sure you guys are subscribed so you don't miss that when it drops. Now, for your second listen today, locked on, head on over to Locked On Bets, uh, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Appreciate all the love you guys have given us, all the feedback. Uh, if you can, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a quick rating or review. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We tweet out the podcast every day, so you make sure you don't miss it anywhere. Most importantly, though, guys, have a great Wednesday in LEO.